It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. It's starting to really heat up here in Southern California. Uh, The weather's going to be a hot one, I think. It's going to be a hot summer. Last summer was very mild, but man, uh, when it it heats up here, it heats up quick. And I know I'm uh, (laughs) preaching to the choir, uh, mind you, to to all the people in, in the hot weather out there, but... Uh, stay cool, stay safe, of course, and uh, yeah, just uh, get ready. It's coming, Re- ready or not. Uh, well, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means, guys. It's time for some Bill Barnes. He is back again on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Our only weekly guest, he's a retired police officer, recently retired college baseball umpire. He will be here in the studio today. Really excited about that. He loves coming here. We were going to try to take the show on the road to his place. We will do that very soon, but uh, he will be here today, later, just a little bit to uh, record with us. Usually, guys, we record a day early, and Bill Barnes is the only guy we record that close to uh, when we are going on the air. Generally, our recordings come eh, about a week, maybe a few days at least, sometimes two weeks out, depending on when we can put the episodes out, but that's just kind of give you guys an idea of what we're doing here at the Get Home Safe podcast. Looking forward to Bill Barnes. As always, he has plenty to say today. I'm sure we have a a nice list of topics we're going to go over. So looking forward to to that very soon. If you have not heard Bill yet, keep in mind he is uh, (laughs) full of energy. Uh, This is definitely not an episode for uh, our younger audience, but uh, (laughs) just be ready. Uh, A lot of colorful language probably probably there, but uh, you know what? Those who have Heard Bill, know exactly what he's about. So looking forward to chatting with him very soon. Well, I had a chance last night to watch some boxing. It was awesome. I love combat sports. UFC boxing was back for the first time. No fans on Tuesday night. It was a, it was a, you know, it was in Las Vegas. It was a lot of fun. And and you know what? I I know there's not many people out there who are a fan of, of boxing, especially like in the middle of the week, some non-title fights and such. But the past few years, I've really tried to follow it. I've really tried to learn something, and it's been really exciting to see all the fighting that is there and how much goes into it from all of these fighters, all of the training that goes in. Uh, It's just really cool to see. And you know what? With all these delays with basketball and baseball and hockey, with who knows if we're going to get back to to playing with those sports. You know, at this point, I don't really care. I'm really liking the combat sports. Again, that's not me. I'm not speaking for everybody. But that's kind of where I'm at and and where I've kind of my sports fandom has developed a little bit. And, yeah, they're just they're, they're not big names fighting or anything, but I'd much rather watch that than uh, something, you know, that happened years ago. One thing I did recently see that I really want to tell you guys about is it was on ESPN Plus, the ESPN app. ESPN did it recently. They have a bunch of uh, 30 for 30s, right, these short I've talked about them before, these short documentaries, I guess you'll call them. Well, I watched the one called uh, Chuck and Tito, I believe it was called, uh, about UFC. And Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz were the main characters in it. 
and kind of how their rise through UFC really helped transcend the sport. Talked a lot about Dana White taking over, becoming the president, how UFC was purchased for $2 million, uh, you know, when, when Dana took over and just the evolution of it. It was really cool to see. I was tired last night. I was laying down. What am I going to watch? I was like, you know what? Uh, so I, I tuned into that and man, it was good. The interview everyone threw out and just seeing how good uh, people, people are in the fighting industry, how quickly they can rise and also how quickly they can fall as well. Just truly inspiring stuff. I, I will probably watch it again uh, because it was it was really good. And you know what? I, I have my <laughs> I have my moments with ESPN when I think they get maybe too political and stuff. But I really like some of those documentaries they've put out, and I continue to watch some I haven't seen and to rewatch others that I have seen. So check that out if you get a chance. It was really neat, uh, and I'm just happy to have boxing basically on Tuesdays and Thursdays right now. Sounds like UFC is pretty much going to continue with their Saturday cards. There'll be a few boxing events on Saturdays as well, but for now they're doing the Tuesday Thursday thing. I think it's good. I really think it's it's climbing in the right direction, and hopefully soon there's going to be fans there as well. No fans right now, but it is what it is. You you, you got to take baby steps, I guess. I don't want to waste too much time. Bill will have plenty to say, especially here in the studio with our fancy new microphone, and and hopefully you guys are hearing it a little more clear these days. But uh, let's get right to him. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Bill Barnes here on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We'll take a quick break and then be right back with Bill Barnes. All right, it is Wednesday, and we all know what that means. It is time for Bill Barnes. He is back again for his weekly Wednesday weigh-in segment. He's here every single Wednesday. He's a retired police officer and a recently retired college baseball umpire. He will have plenty to say today, and we'll get right to all of that. But first, I want to welcome him, not back to the show, but back to our studio here at our house. Bill, welcome back. It's always a thrill to come to Eastvale 101 Studios in the heart of Eastvale, California. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, highly professional podcaster now, a weekly guest, and it's a big thrill for me to to come and and actually take part in the taping live in the studio, Eastvale 101 Studios. <laughs> of course, I remember the first time we did this, uh, not here, but the first time I called you, and you were excited and. Uh, we had you in prime time, and, and here we are now, and it's just been a thrill. I'm glad we get to do this, and yeah, we get to our fancy new microphone here. But uh, you know, Bill, what what have you been up to the past couple of days? Have you listened to the show much, or what have you been up to? I listened just before I came over. I had the pleasure of listening to Tony Padilla's show from yesterday. Tony Padilla, I've met him. Uh, he's a class class act. He's a great basketball official. That speaks for itself, but a better human being. I met him. I was one of the umpires that that umpired uh, his uh, travel ball back years ago when I guess he was coaching his kid. And I had two games. I recognized him at the plate meeting. He introduced himself. Frank Flugrat and I were working the game, another Division I college umpire, very good umpire. So he had good umpires to deal with that game. And he was just a pro. I recognized him. I asked him, I said, you, you uh, officiate basketball, don't you? He goes, yeah, a little bit. And we started talking and, and um, you know, officials, even though officials can, uh, that are coaching other sports can go one way or the other. They can either be a complete smacked ass thinking they know everything, <laughs> even about other sports that they don't officiate, or they can be highly professional, respectful, 
to the officials in the game that they are coaching. And that's truly what Tony was. And uh, he thanked us after that. I didn't even know if we won or lost. He thanked us, wished us well after the game. And he's a true class act. Great, great human being. Uh, the second time I had him was, uh, I think, a year later. And I was with another Division One umpire, great umpire, a super regional umpire in, in, uh, in Tony Norris. And I had told Tony, I go, I, I told Tony, I said, hey, we've got Tony Padilla. He goes, who's Tony Padilla? And I explained to him <laughs> Tony's background. He goes, oh, wow, okay. And again, uh, Tony was a class act. Very, very, very uh, appreciative that he that, that he was down here from Northern California participating in this particular uh, tournament. Just a class act all the way around. I loved the things he said. Uh, and him being a veteran official and to another ex-official who was a veteran official, I can see why he got to the point where he did. He gets it. He can manage people well. He's told stories about being able to, you know, uh, basically throw a fire, or I'm sorry, throw water on a fire. Excuse me. Let me try it a third time. <laughs> Put a fire out without throwing water on it. He's one of those kind of guys. And as a fellow official, he's the kind of guy I want to sit down with after a game and have a couple of uh, adult beverages. And if you don't drink adult beverages, we'll have a Fresca. We'll have a Diet Coke. I don't care what it is you drink. I just love talking to officials like that. And that's where every young official who's coming up in whatever sport you're in, if you can garner his respect throughout the years of, of working and, and, and working hard and, and being better at your, at your game, then everybody should be like, want to be like Tony Padilla. It was a real fun show to listen to. It, it was incredible the things he said, and I was just pleased that he was uh, willing to sit down with me, take time out of his busy schedule, and and uh, he was happy to do it. And that was so – it really speaks volumes to the type of man he is. And, and Bill, you said it. He's a better person. I told – he's a better person than he is a, a, an official, even though he's an incredible basketball official. And I and I posted it, and I, and I made sure to write in there, hey, even if you're not – a sports official, you will learn something from this. Yeah, basketball is an incredibly fucking hard game to officiate. <laughs> I tried it once when I was in my youth. I was about 19, 20 years old. It was a YMCA game, and I walked off the court at halftime. I got in my car, and I left, and I never came back, and I, and I said I will never do basketball ever again. And um, it, it's a tough, tough sport. And to anybody that does basketball, I, my, I salute you because it's it's every call can go, in my opinion – Every call could either be a charge or a block, a foul or no foul, ticky-tack, this, that. I think I mentioned in prior shows, what if, what if Danny Crawford called a foul on Michael Jordan when he stole the ball from somebody on the Utah uh, Stars or Utah, what were jazz, they called? The jazz. jazz Stars. I'm back in the ABA. <laughs> Utah Jazz that, that game. History would have not, wouldn't have went that way. So every call is huge in basketball, huge, and it's a tough, tough game. Yes, I, I. You know what, Bill? You know what's crazy? When he told me he worked ninety-five regular season games, and he's done that right around those numbers repeatedly, and and you know what? You and I have probably worked I don't know sixty, maybe seventy games in a college baseball season, uh, and then we've done that, and then gone on to work another ninety or so in you know pro ball as far as American Association when we were doing that. And by the end of that, I mean we were just drained. I know that, so I don't know how he does it at the level he does. It's, you know, a basketball game is about two hours and 20 minutes. You got a clock, you're up and down the court. You don't have to be put on heavy gear. You're not getting rained on. You're not getting, it's the, the weather's usually pretty perfect inside these indoor uh, arenas. 
in, with that in mind, it's kind of comfortable. However, I think psychologically, when you got coaches two, two inches from you and you're sta- you know on a foul shot and you have to go take your position and they're in their ear telling you what a horse shit call you made three minutes prior, I mean, I don't know how you do it. That's, that is a tough game to not only officiate, but to people manage as well. And once again, I'm not going to, you know, uh, repeat myself, but but that is a very hard game to officiate. And those that do it at the highest level, I salute you. In my opinion, toughest game to officiate. I, I think that's completely uh, – I, I agree with you there 100%. And, and, guys, if you haven't had a chance to, go back, listen to that interview we did with Tony Padilla on Tuesday. It's called The Best in the Business. Just an absolute pleasure to, to talk with him. I, I guarantee you'll learn something. I'm not surprised that show – I would I would be shocked if that show doesn't get picked up by some type of official uh, like some people some network out there that does officials that you know uh, interviews. That was an outstanding interview by not only Matt asking great questions but just by Tony. I mean he's a pro. Yes, hands down. That's a great way to sum it up. Uh, so yeah, we, we we won't talk too much more about it, but yeah, guys, check that out if you get a chance to uh, set aside an hour or so, and uh, yeah, you would definitely uh, enjoy that. Well, Bill, let's talk about some maybe some not as uh, joyful uh, topics right now. Uh, you know, it's been about a week and a half now with everything that's been going on. There's been a lot of different things happen. I think I hope some of these riots are are starting to go away. There's still a lot of protesting out there, but you know what? As a former police officer, you have to be uh, pretty concerned about some of the things that people are proposing out there. And I think the big one that we're hearing a lot from a couple different cities is defunding the police. What in the world is that? And what can you speak of? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what that is. That is a knee-jerk reaction of our gutless politicians, our spineless and absolute um, jellyfish politicians that lead our cities in reacting to what happened in Minneapolis. Now, Minneapolis wants to completely um, uh, disintegrate their department. So be it. Okay, that's fine. And again, I'm not going to even go back to what happened two, two weeks ago last night. We've, we've discussed that. Everybody knows my position on that. It was wrong. We're just going to talk about what the after effects of that are doing to police departments all over the country. And I'll speak mostly about Los Angeles. Los Angeles Police Department has made absolute major steps in becoming a better, more community-based police department in the last 28 years. Um, they've been doing a great job. In fact, the mayor used to Garcetti, who I even hate to say his name, uh, has, has, has lauded them as being very progressive. They've come out, they've done made changes. He loves this new chief that he handpicked. He thinks he, he used to say all these wonderful things about how the LAPD has made strides in being a better service to the community. And now all of, all of a sudden out of no fault, no fault of the Los Angeles police department, uh, he wants to take money from them and defund them. So he's he's on this political bandwagon like a bunch of other mayors, governors of, of this country to take some teeth out of the police. Well, okay, fine. If you're going to do it, that's 
you know, knock yourself out. Um, I guarantee you the 60 police cars that were torched and burned and, and, and completely disintegrated in the Fairfax riot will not be replaced. That's 60 police cars. You're going to have to go out and get 60 um, cars that are ready for, for wholesaling that have about 200,000 miles on them and outfit those with the basic necessities. And these guys are going to be driving these pieces of shit that are unsafe. And so be it. Or they're going to be walking footbeats or they're going to be stationed at the police department and they're not going to be able to go out and respond to calls in the fashion and timeliness that they do now. The other thing I think really what they want to do is take away proactive policing. They want to take away units like like the Metro unit um, teams that were out doing special, uh, you know, focusing on special enforcement teams, because that what happens there is you make traffic stops and you have contacts with what you believe to be the gang members or uh, organized crime members or, or, or people like that, that you want to get off the street. And I think that in some people's minds that police work has uh, gone overboard on enforcing that stuff, where you write down, you write down on a, it's called a field interrogation card, an FI card, that this person may or may not have, have uh, gang contacts. And if, and if you make a mistake and you write down that they, they do and they don't, you know, all hell's breaking loose. And instead of dealing with that one person who made the mistake, they deal with the whole unit and it becomes disbanded. So now what we're looking at is because of these, uh, because the Minneapolis four uh, did what they did, we're painting with a big brush across the country and we're taking away money that should be allocated for police. And we want to put it into other areas of the, of the city. Um, you know, that's their prerogative. And if they want to make police work easier for cops, hey, being a former cop, knock yourself out. If it comes to the where we're like Sheriff Taylor on Mayberry, where we go to the uh, to the to the station house and park our car and go inside and watch TV and and eat yogurt and 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 fool around inside the station until we get a call that. Uh, the couple over on one, two, three, four Main Streets having a having a fight, and we have to go out there and quell it and respond from the station instead of being out being proactive. If that's what they want, knock yourself out. I have a very good friend, several friends that are officers still, and they would welcome that. They don't give one ticklish shit about this because you know what? They've given their lives to this job. They've gone out. They've sacrificed, and all of a sudden, you want us to back off and just be reactive, you're making the job a whole lot easier. And you know what? The pay will hopefully be the same unless they try to, you know, uh, in their collective bargaining, try to reduce pay, which would be a major mistake. Um, you know, there's already massive retirements being announced. Uh, I, I doubt if officers are going to be replaced due to attrition. So that's a start. That's what they want to do. And, um, just because, just because of four people in Minneapolis had this big, huge tsunami effect on the rest of the country, in my opinion, is absolutely wrong. Especially when at least the mayor in Los Angeles has has applauded his officers and doing such a great job. Well, I want to I want to talk on 
LAPD a little bit here because I read a story and we live not too far from Los Angeles. So I think it's relevant, but to echo some of your statements, Bill, I want you to listen to this. Um, Nuri Martinez is on the LA city council. She is extremely uh, in support of defunding the police. Uh, You know what? There was a detective, uh, Jamie McBride, who has exposed some of the hypocrisy. And I believe if I'm saying it wrong, uh, correct me, but he's the director of the LAPD union. Well, I saw a story recently that he exposed the hypocrisy of people like Miss Nuri Martinez. Uh, she, he found out that there were two police cars guarding her home, not, not just for the past couple of weeks, but for the past couple of months. And this is the lady that now wants to defund. Not She's not the only one, but she, she's having a, a big part in it. She wants to defund the police, although she gets to have two cars guarding her home, not for a couple hours, 24 hours a day in some instances. And if you, if you want to look it up, go right ahead. It's, it's online uh, on a few different places. Uh, but I will tell you this, Detective McBride also went on to call the mayor unstable as well after after mayor garcetti's comments regarding we have to change and we have to stop being killers basically calling out all of his police officers as killers i can get you the direct quote if you need it but i'm summarizing right now there are so many inconsistencies once again and hypocrisy And that is the stuff that just drives me crazy. Are you telling me only the rich now are going to have private, you know, they already have the, the, they're already the ones with the private security and everything, but now you're looking to even uh, have more of that and take away cops from citizens. I mean, it is so, uh, it's so hypocritical and it is just not consistent in my book. So what do you have to comment on that? Well, first of all, Nuri Martinez and Eric Garcetti are both hypocrites. Okay. Nuri Martinez, I've never heard of her. Okay. She's probably a a spokesman for for the constituents in her area. I don't even know what board she has in Los Angeles, nor do I give a shit. Okay. She's a hypocrite. If she's had cops outside of her house for two months, now she wants to defund them. Her, her, Her little private little security force should be the first fucking ones that go. Okay. Just like with Garcetti under the, under these peaceful protests, when people surrounded his house, thousands and thousands of people surrounded his and, and and folks, it's not his fucking house. It belongs to the city of Los Angeles. It's called the Getty House. That's where the sitting mayor lives during his tenure as mayor. So he doesn't own the fucking thing. He's he's a guest there. Okay. He's a guest from the people of Los Angeles that voted him in. Okay. And let's just hope that his guest status runs out after his his term. But anyway. I saw cops all over the place. I saw cops in his backyard. I saw them all over protecting that place. And let's just hope they were there to protect the building and not him because he's a pile of shit. We all know that. He's got diarrhea for a backbone. Uh, he is first one of the first people to jump on this bandwagon of taking money from the police. Um, he, All I can say is they're hypocrites. They're jumping on the bandwagon with the protests, with things that are uh, going on nowadays, which are these, these, you know, fuck the police protests, you know, black lives matter, um, you know, blue lives kill. I've seen those signs. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's very fashionable nowadays to not support police, even though, even though the police in, 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 in 
lately haven't done anything wrong in Los Angeles, Southern California, Northern California. Yeah, and and, and you when you want to hear the exact quote from uh, Eric Garcetti, he said it starts someplace, and this was this was in front of city council. It starts someplace, and we say we are going to be who we want to be, or we're going to continue being the killers that we are. And basically, you know, LAPD, uh, <laughs> I mean, LAPD Jamie McBride, as I mentioned, he says he smeared every single police officer in Los Angeles and across the nation by calling us killers. This is this is all from the from the Los Angeles Times, by the way, in case anyone wants to know. Uh, and, and hours later, Garcetti later said that the killer's remark wasn't about uh, police officers at all. Well, then I'm saying, well, who are you? Who was that comment? The, the, the rem- I saw the remark. I saw it on li- on vi- on video. He said it about the police, and Chief Moore was standing right behind him when he said that. And if if I was still working in the city of Los, the city of Los Angeles, and my chief didn't go to bat for me like that, I would be really really upset. But fortunately, when I was on the job, we had chiefs that had civil service protection, and they could back their troops. Nowadays, they're nothing more than politicians. They are the minions and mouthpieces of the person who got them there. In this case, Garcetti hired Moore. Moore is Garcetti's bitch in, 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 in no uncertain terms. And they're two peas in a pod. And it's, it's disgusting. Um, you're going to see a lot of non-aggressive police in the in the few in the coming months um will they still do their job absolutely they're professional will they still protect themselves absolutely they want to go home at night but i really think that on-site activity proactive activity will be very very arrest on-site activity what i mean is car stops arrests that are a product of that will go drastically down uh private person arrests you still have to accept those um so what I'm saying is that these politicians are making policemen, a police officer's job quite unpopular and it's their own fault. But I do, I'm do, I I am glad though that we still have a second amendment that allows us civilians. I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I'm technically a civilian, but I do have a carry a concealed weapon permit because I'm a former officer. So I can carry a handgun on my person so if anybody up there has any crazy ideas, just trust me who I am and what I carry. Okay. Cause I know I have enemies out there, <laughs> but I'd say that as a joke, I'll probably get, I'll probably get blasted now for saying that, I but think, it's a true statement. I think that's an insensitive comment, Bill, and, and it's offensive to well, someone, but I don't really care. Yeah, uh, yeah, you think I give a shit? Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying who I am and what I do. Yeah. I'm uh, not threatening anybody. I'm just telling you, I'm going to protect myself. No, it's uh, yeah, that you have a right. And, and as uh, every citizen does with yeah. the second amendment, Thank God we have that, and I and I think that because of this Second Amendment, people blasting that is going to be completely, completely. Uh, you're not going to hear that. Yeah, you know what? I hate to say that it's been this. Uh, you don't want to make light of what's been going on, but all this has done the past couple weeks. It, it's painted cops in this bad light. It's given that broad brush stroke that that I just cannot stand. When anytime you just I mean, it's exactly what you're what you say you're fighting for is is hating people that paint this broad brushstroke over something. Well, all this has been is one huge advertisement, basically, for uh, the Second Amendment. Hey, look, there's uh, there's not enough police, and there's 
a bunch of criminals out there burning things and, and destroying things. Uh, who, who, who's going to protect you? How are you going to protect yourself? Well, you have a Second Amendment right to do that. And, and it's, you know what? Uh, the, the same people that hate the police, ironically, guess what? They're probably not in favor of the Second Amendment and they want to take guns too. So it's all crazy how it's related. Well, you can't have it both ways. And it's been, for years it's been, you know, because this isn't the first crack at trying to, you know, uh, take power away from the police. You know, it has been for, like I said, for years, the police cannot protect you. Okay. They couldn't protect the stores in Fairfax the other night. They couldn't protect Santa Monica. They had trouble in Long Beach. We're, they're not, they can't protect everybody. So you are your own advocate. If you do what you have to do and the police are just there to clean up the mess. Okay. I'm not advocating, uh, you know, craziness and, and everybody being a vigilante and whatnot, but I'm saying if you have to protect yourself, you have the right to do so. And now that the police are being defunded, you're going to see a lot more of that. And you're going to see delayed police responses. If any, you're going to see, you're going to see probably uh, police in the schools become a thing of the past. You're going to see uh, community relations type jobs, a thing of the past. You're going to see all these kinder, gentler uh, people that go out and uh, kiss babies and hand out crayons and coloring books at elementary schools. You're going to see that as a thing of the past. They just aren't going to have the manpower. You're going to have to must, you're going to be mustering at a certain location to go handle calls like I say, if you're going to take uh, cars and equipment away, which is the which is what de- what defunding does, you can't replace old cars, old equipment, old radios, et cetera, et cetera. You that's where the defunding comes from, and people bitch that uh, that a great deal of the budget of a city is for police. Well, that's because it costs money to do good police work. That's just there's no ifs ands or buts about it. So if you want to take that away, knock yourself out. The, the outcry has been about making police better. And I don't know of one business, entity, any group. I don't know of any any of those where taking money from them makes them better. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I could be. Uh, you know what? There's some, pl- there's some uh, groups and different – different things out there where, yeah, money does get thrown at them and, and it never seems to get better. Well, so I, I get that too, but you can't take the money. That was the that. beef. That was the beef with the Minneapolis department because they had a history of corruption. They had a history of, of, of uh, undue violence against their, their, their people, their, their citizens, their community. And guess what? Their answer was let's make it smaller and, and uh, let's take you know money. Well, we see how that worked out. Yeah. We see how that worked out. Mm-hmm. You didn't even have you didn't even have the the manpower to get a fucking supervisor at that scene where Mr. Floyd died. Maybe if you had somebody that could have taken charge of uh, of the, the the one guy, <clears throat> because everybody was he was the senior officer there. Nobody was willing to throw him off the guy. If you had a sergeant there, a supervisor, could have been a different situation. So you get what you pay for, and in Minneapolis, you don't pay for jack shit, and, and you see what it got you. Yeah, it's it's incredibly unfortunate, and and everyone wants to throw around these fancy ideas and fancy words, and makes everyone feel better. But you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't 
uh, take take any action as to far as far as what actually needs to be done. Uh, and and I do want to go back on a second because I agree with you, Bill, with with the whole Second Amendment thing. I do want to say I, I don't I don't uh, support vigilante stuff out there either. I I am in a hundred percent agreement with you about defend defending your your uh, your property, your business, yourself. I think that is uh, definitely what I was trying to say. What you're trying to say, uh, you know. So I don't want anyone twisting any words out there, but, uh, you know what there, there unfortunately is this picture too, of, of, of gun owners that, that they're bad people. I saw somebody post something. It was, it, they were sickened by the fact that there was a protest marching up the street and there was probably 20, 30 people in front of a house and not all of them were armed, but some of them were, and they were just standing out there watching, making sure that nothing happened. And, there was this sickening outcry that how could you be out in front of your house or your business with weapons that you're going to make things worse. Well, I'll tell you right now, those are not the people that are destroying things. They're not the people that are, are, are causing the problem. They're there simply to defend themselves. So that's, that's what I just wanted to say. If you're having a peaceful protest and a peaceful March, then why should it bother you? Keep being peaceful and keep on marching. Mm -hmm. These people are, are in their own property defending what there's, what they've worked hard for, what is theirs. Okay, they're not going to come fuck with you. Don't come fuck with them. Keep marching. Keep being peaceful. Keep bad mouthing police and keep um, uh, bad mouthing cops and, and and telling us that Black Lives Matter. I get it. Do it. We, there's a there's a right to protest and there's a right to defend yourself. There's there's a lot of rights out there and you can't ignore one, ignore the other. You, you if if you truly believe in what makes this country great, it is. It is all of the things that 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 we believe in, and that that you know, it's not just it's not just a couple things. It, it's it's the right the, the rights that you have, the rights that you have. And you know what, Bill, uh, we got plenty more to talk about. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to take a quick breath right now, but uh, we have plenty more to talk about. So let's get a sip of water, and then we'll keep talking here in uh, just a second. Fair enough. Let's do it. And Bill, one more thing regarding the Second Amendment. You know, there have been a lot of parts of history in this country where it has it has definitely been a reason things did not get worse. I mean, you go all the way back to the Revolutionary War. The British obviously wanted to disarm our citizens. That's where it stemmed from. But I know you also have some some comments on uh, parts of history as well. Well. Uh, we all remember Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, when our Pacific fleet was destroyed in Hawaii. And when the Japanese generals were asked why you didn't keep forging to the west coast of the, the, the United States, is because they knew that even back then, that, they had, that, that we Americans had something called the Second Amendment, which meant that citizens were armed. Citizens armed themselves and that they, along with the military, would fight them off. There's a reason. We just don't arm ourselves just to have a shiny gun in our, in our, our, uh, our, our closet to, to um, fantasize to. They're there for a fucking reason. And they're there to defend our, not only ourselves from uh, foreign powers, but bad citizens that might want to do us harm, bad neighbors, bad people that want to come in and invade your home and do bad things. They're there. They're built for a reason. Now, do I believe that a lot of people, they, a lot of people should not have weapons? Absolutely. 
You know, it's, that's been proven that there's a lot of bad people out there mm-hmm. that should not have their hands on guns. We have background checks. Now we have background. Now there's 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 a 10 day cooling off period or 14 days or whatever the hell it is. And now they want to, you know, track ammo sales, I guess. Um, you know, there, there are safeguards. Are they perfect? No. Could they be better? Yes. The bottom line is that we as Americans have a right to arm ourselves via the Second Amendment. Yes. And you know what? Uh, You know, history is crazy. Sometimes you look back and you see things that have already happened that are happening now that, uh, you know, could be prevented. I mean, World War II, World War II, you just spoke of, you know, the Japanese being hesitant to, you know, attack the mainland. Well, you know, uh, Nazi Germany, that that's definitely something they did is they they disarmed the citizens. And, And these are extreme cases. But but we're also in some pretty crazy times right now. And I think uh, I think those types of things are relevant. So, uh, you know what, for for those people who are out there defending themselves and who are just ready and just in case, I think that's a good thing, you know, to to be ready just in case. Um, it, It seems, though, Bill, you know, that a lot of these marches have started to settle down a little bit. Um, uh, the, on the peaceful side of things, but at the same time, they they've probably grown in numbers. So, what 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 are your thoughts there? Because is that correlation, you know, well, does it make sense? Or? Well, you know what, it okay. There's okay. I've seen these peaceful marches for the most part in the last week grow substantially in cities like Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, San Diego. Um, you know, San Fernando Valley, Hollywood. Shit, there was 50,000 people in Hollywood the other night having a peaceful march. As far as I know, nothing got 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 destroyed, nothing got damaged. Um, let's keep in mind that these protests have been racially so so ethnically diverse. You've got 35-year-old moms with their two-year-old kids out marching. As long as you have a sign that says black lives matter or blue lives suck or blue lives kill. You're part of the protest. And that's a way to get out of your house, go out, take a walk. You've been under, you've been under quarantine for three months for an idiotic reason. And this is your ticket to go out and have a block party, go out and walk the streets and get exercise and just mix with other people. If you're a young millennial, I've seen videos of these young millennial females wearing, you know, risque outfits, you know, tank tops with their junk showing. And the guys, hey man, that's the way to go meet a guy. That's to go out and and, and mix and party. That's their that's the concerts of the 20 of the of the year 2020. That's the way to go. That's instead of a nightclub because they're not open, a bar not being open, a, a gathering not being open. You didn't have Burning Man this year. You didn't have this and that. This is what they're craving personal contact. And if you have to do it under the fake reason of a peaceful protest, that's their way of doing it because that's the only way you can do it legally now. You know, we tried going to the beach and these, you know, the cops were out chasing down paddle boarders and arresting them. That didn't work. So you know what? Let's have a peaceful protest. Let's let's mass 20,000 people together, clog up streets and that's our way of, of having some, some you know, of, of bringing our own drinks, bringing our own water, bringing our own booze, bringing our own smoking weed as we walk, because we all know that's legal now. And, hey, it's a party. It's a fucking party. And 
if you don't believe me, go back and look at some of the video. Either we have solved the racial problem because all these folks are on board now with racial inequality because the whites outnumber the Hispanics and the blacks now in these in these marches. Okay, my personal opinion is I don't think these young white millennials give two fucking shits about racial justice. They're out there to party and that's their excuse. Look at the film. The video don't lie. Look at the film. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting and and I've tried to watch some of these protests and some I just have to I have to turn turn away cuz it, it just drives me nuts but um you know, yeah, film doesn't lie and and if people want to continue to use film and the media to to use these different videos of things to prove a point, well, it, it's a two-way street, you know, for sure. And and Bill, I know that you had recent plans to uh, to maybe go to the beach and, and have a, maybe a one-man protest on a towel, well, just sit by yourself. Yes, and let me go back a second, then I'll cover that. Okay, <laughs> I am not I am not at all sliding the African Americans. If you if if you feel that you're that you're wronged, all these years of being oppressed and beaten down by the by the by the white police, I get it. I understand where you're at. Okay, I do. I, I understand your position. I, I may not agree with it total, uh, in a, in a, it to, totally, but I get it. And I'm not at all here saying that you shouldn't be protesting. Absolutely. Do it peacefully. I get it. Okay. Awesome. You've got police chiefs getting on a knee with you. You've reached them. Okay. I think they're gutless and spineless for doing it because that's giving up their objectivity as a, as a, as a neutral Police officer, that's not what you were trained to do. But if that's what they don't want to do, they want to be a politician, do it. Okay. I can't stop you. But I will say this I'm really, really disappointed with my own race. I'm disappointed with the white man who thinks that he's pretending to give a shit about the black man. They don't give a fuck. They're out there to party, to 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 carry a fake sign saying they care about you. They don't give a shit. They don't care, okay? Some of them may, but the vast majority, that's their excuse to go party. Now, I'm bashing my own my own color, people. I'm bashing my own people because they are a bunch of lying fucking hypocrites, okay? And I dare anybody to take me up on it, all right? They're lying. It's a fake. It's fake. It's bullshit. Well, Bill, there's a, there's a new term these days. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called virtue signaling. And I don't know where it came from, if it's young people or what. Uh, I'm usually behind on these things. But it's basically – it's for people to either get on social media and say something or uh, maybe the people that uh, – you know, eh, there's protesting. But some of the people like you're mentioning that are just – you can tell. They're just doing this to – Complete yeah. attention whores. Yes. That's where we're at. They're using, they're using the death of a black man yes. at the hands of the police to go out and party and walk around and spew shit they don't know a fucking thing about that they've never experienced in their life. They're a bunch of rich, entitled little white fuckers that like to go out and live off their mom and dad and create havoc for other people, and, and they're pretending to care. They don't care, and they never fucking will. Yeah, I, I would like, uh, you know, the people that are so passionate about some of these things. And again, some of the, the people you're talking about specifically, uh, you know, I'd like to see them do a little bit more than wave a sign. You know what? If, if it's such a uh, tragic time we're in, well, you know, maybe it's time for you to do more than, than just wave a sign and, uh, you know, uh, 
do the things you're talking about, Bill. So yeah, the, I, I, I see what you're saying. And, um, and, you know, it's time that somebody said something like that about what's going on. Uh, and again, there'll be plenty of people that, that disagree, but you know what guys, I say this all the time on the show. It's okay to disagree. What a concept you want the entire country to agree that on, on certain things. I'm not talk. don't twist my words. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, somebody who has an opinion that, that, uh, all white people are evil or all black people are evil. No, I'm not talking about those lunatics. I'm talking about the diversity of ideas we have in this country. Okay. That is how we're going to get real change and, and come together on things. It's not my way, not your way. I mean, People are attacked all the time just for having a different a difference of opinion. It's ridiculous. It drives me crazy, Bill. I mean, I tell everyone, everyone knows when you come on this program, what you stand for, the things you say, people are either going to love you or hate you. Okay. And, and I always I always tell people that. All right. And not every show I do is, is like, is like yours. I, I talk to a, a lot of different people. Difference of opinion is okay. That's fine. They're opinions. They're not facts. They're just opinions. Are there a few uh, radical opinions out there that, that, uh, should be dealt with. Yes, there are, but, but that's few and far between. And we, as citizens, it's okay to disagree on certain things. Yeah. And as far as, you know, people are out there saying, well, well, Bill, you know, the, the, these white knuckleheads are Antifa. Well, you know what? Antifa is not a, a, uh, no matter what the, I, I may, I'm going to disagree with the president on this is that Antifa is not a proven terrorist organization. They are a loose leaf, uh, organization of a bunch of individuals that try to call themselves that. All right. They have no president. They have no chapter. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not organized. They are loose leaf organized. So to go after them and attack them under that name is going to be quite a chore. Okay. So that's, you know, what establishment and the hardcore right is calling them. Okay. Um, and that's yet to be proven. So let's let's not get too crazy to the right. Let's not get too crazy to the left. Let's try to have a happy medium, okay? And by me calling out the rich white privileged that's out there feeling, for whatever reason, they're out there feeling guilty or feeling like they just want to party, go out and get some sun, walk around with a with a a, a t top a tank top showing off your nuts. Fine, knock yourself out. All right, that's that's great. Okay, whatever your reason is, fine. But I think it's bullshit. And you are, you're basically partying, partying off a dead man, Mr. Floyd. Be better than that. Agreed. Agreed. We, uh, at some point we need to do more. And I think people just think that by pushing a button on social media, hitting a like, posting something that they are doing something great. And you know what? That's, that's just, that's just false. You know, I, I watched a show. I was laying in bed the other night and I was watching this show, an, an old repeat from 1983. You older viewers out there, you older listeners out there will remember this guy, Wally George. Wally George. If you don't, if you younger people, look him up. Get a video of Wally George. He was a complete right-wing lunatic who had a show on Channel 56, an Orange County station. And he... <laughs> He was the most right-wing lunatic in the world. And I said to myself as I'm watching him go off on a rant, I remember, you know, back then thinking, I will never be that guy. He's a fucking nut. Well, guess what? I'm becoming Wally George, and it's really, really frightening me. 
<laughs> uh, that, that that's a scary thought, Bill. Uh, you know, as, as you sit here in the studio, it's it's definitely a different vibe than you over the phone. I love talking to you over the phone with these interviews, but man, there's definitely a different intensity, a different well, passion. It's this big microphone in front of me. I feel like John Cameron Swayze, you know, back in the '40s, delivering his 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 pontification, you know, about things. And you know, it's this, this the broadcast journalism in me coming out. I got this big microphone here. I feel like I'm in, uh, you know, like I say, you know, we're in we're in Eastvale 101 Studios, and we got to make the best of it. <laughs> got to get these listeners fired up. That's it. I mean, we're hey, it, it's the summer now. It's June. I mean, we're in the middle of yeah. June. I, I'd like to go out and, and enjoy my time at the pool. It's 100 fucking degrees outside, but these these sons of bitches won't let let people open their open up a a, a community pool. All right. I don't have a pool in my place. I, I usually cheat and go to the one next door and sneak in. I can't do that now because. This complex won't, won't open them, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, and trust me, I, I I'm, 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 I'm hot and I'm pissed and I want to go and lay in the pool. What about the beach, Bill? You, t- I know we well, talked about your one man protest at the I beach. I haven't been. I, I, I'm too busy doing doing research and and um, work and doing legwork for this show that I haven't had a chance to yet. <laughs> but trust me, in the coming days, I'm going to get to the beach and I'm going to take a I'm going to take a sign with me that says that that that. That, that announces some type of protest and I'm going to stick it in the sand next to me and I'm going to dare some cop to tell me I have to get up. No, sir. I'm protesting. I'm, I'm under the, I'm, I'm under the color uh, authority of protesting. I don't have to move. It's a peaceful protest. Leave me the fuck alone, sir. That's what I'm going to tell him. Well, uh, you know, Bill, it's, I mean, come on. It's there. There's still a virus out there that apparently is attacking our beaches and our sands and, uh, you know, it's very sad that uh, all these protests and thousands of people in all these places. But but, uh, you know, OK, that was the biggest <laughs> bowl of shit that was ever put on the American people in my uh, uh, that I could ever remember. OK, uh, if we had a governor, we had these doctors, supposed doctors, we had all these people telling us, Garcetti included, stay home. Stay home. You want to save lives. You may not get sick. You may be spreading a virus and you may not know you have it. You may affect other people. Stay home. Well, all that's fine and dandy until, you know, um, we have a, 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 a death in this country that's unfortunate and people decide to protest. Then all bets are off. Then the protest trumps the protest trumps, and I'm using that word only be, for the for the re, for the reason that has nothing to do with the. And I'll use a different word. The protest takes precedent over this pandemic. If this is such a killer fucking virus, then why are the same people that were soliciting complaints and soliciting you to snitch on your neighbor for going outdoors and violating this uh, stay-at-home order? Uh, why are they allowing this? Why are they allowing thousands and thousands of people to gather and protest when we're in the midst of, of the first wave of a, of, a, of a deadly pandemic? What the fuck's going on here? You know what? Make up your mind. So I think it's the whole thing was way overblown. Now, at first they said uh, non-symptom, asymptomatic uh, positive coronavirus people could spread it. Now they're saying they can't. Highly unlikely. First they said masks don't mean shit, don't wear one. Now they're saying wear a mask everywhere. Think, again, I've said this time and time again. 
and I'm tired of saying it. They don't fucking know about this thing. It's a bad case of the flu, period. Unfortunately, it hits people that are in highly congested places that have underlying health conditions like convalescent homes, like rest homes, like assisted living houses, like people that that are living in highly congested areas like New York City, downtown Los Angeles, where the conditions might not be clean, okay? That's where it's hitting, and it's hitting hard. I know probably a lot of people have had it, and they just don't know they've had it because they've 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 soldiered through it and they've gotten past it. It will obviously harm people that are older with underlying conditions. I get it. I get it. It's unfortunate, but it happens. It's not the black plague death sentence that they made it out to be when they first started uh, putting panic and 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 uh, fear to everybody. Yeah, uh, you know what? And we've all had our moments. I know you and you've touched on it many times, but uh, you know what? I don't know another term to say, but we bought into this. And is there a- I'm pissed at myself (laughs) for being such a sucker at this. I'm really fucking mad. I bought into, I had trust in in the leaders of my community telling me that if I got it, I'd be very, very sick. Or if I got it, I would pass it on to my elderly relatives and I'd kill them. Well, none of the above has happened. None of the above. Yeah. Um, I have a question. I actually talked with a friend about this the other day. Um, you know a lot of people, right? I know. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. I would say, I mean, if you just look at, say, your Facebook friends, look at that number. Then, then probably, I don't know if you double it, but you've add probably a ton more on there. Uh, maybe another, I don't know, 50 to 100, whatever the case may be. They know people. They know people. They have friends and family. The, the friend I was talking to says, I, I don't know one person. He says, wait, no, he said he knew one person who had it. And it wasn't even someone he knew. It was from another country. And it was a relative of a relative. And this was a guy that, like you and I, knows a lot of people. I am not saying this doesn't exist. It absolutely exists. It's been out there. It has it has killed killed some people. Uh, but, but like you're saying, Bill, it, it's... Some people are a lot more susceptible susceptible to it. There's been a super high uh, survival rate of it and yes. people who have gotten through with it. Yes. And we have shut the country down now. Yes. It's going on three months yes. now. We're opening up a yes. little bit, which is great. But unfortunately, uh, it's done some serious damage. It's done some serious damage to businesses, money, uh, people's psychological well-being, uh, a lot of things. I, I know, okay, I'm not bragging here, okay, at all. But I have 1,230 friends on Facebook. Do I know all these people? Fuck no. They're, they, 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 it might be some hot-looking chick that I just decided to. I'm going to friend her, and she friended me back. And do I know her? No, she lives in freaking Amsterdam, uh, Holland, or wherever the hell it is. And you know, no, I don't know, don't know her. But my point is, I know of 12. There's 1,230 friends that I have on Facebook, and I, I read their posts. And you would think that if anyone related to them was Infected, they would mention. I've seen very little, if any, mention of anybody uh, obtaining this COVID-19. I know one person personally that got it. It was a a friend of mine that I went to high school with. She's she's two years younger than I am. She got it. She got it really bad. She was on a ventilator. She was in the hospital. And from what I understand, she got it from her boyfriend, who was a fireman. Okay? Mm -hmm. It hit her hard. She recovered. Thank God. She's doing well. The only other person was an old neighbor of mine in Riverside. Her 93-year-old mother got it 
in a, in a um, uh, retirement uh, rest home and she succumbed to it. She was 93 years old. Okay. I'm not saying that means that it, the bottom line is she was 93. She was older, un- undoubtedly had underlying conditions. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's unfortunate, but that's who it's affecting. That's just a fact. Okay. Those are the only two people that I know personally that were, that, that got this, you know, I've heard, I heard that the one, the commander in Los Angeles, the LAPD guy that's kneeling with everybody. I heard he got it and made a, a miraculous comeback and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, bully for him. I'm glad that something clicked in him where he wants to go side with uh, the people that, 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 um, uh, that are on the other side that are the same folks. And I said this on a, on a post, the same folks that you go early on in these uh, protests, the same folks that you're taking a knee with and tell them you understand where they're coming from to try to gain um, some unity with and some understanding are the same folks an hour later that your people are arresting for violating the curfew, for violating a unlawful order. That's not the way police work is supposed to be. I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. I apologize. But I just wanted to maintain my opinion on that, that we are neutral, neutral arbitrators. We arbitrate the law in the best way we can. And we're, and we're supposed to be fair. We're not supposed to take one side or the other. While you're talking about that, Bill, and, and we're, yeah, so we're, we're going to take a pause from the, the COVID, uh, you know, talk here in a sec, but we'll get back to that in our third segment. But speaking of police, I, this is something I forgot to have mentioned. This to me is, is absolute lunacy. The television shows cops and live PD have been canceled and they have been canceled because of the protests. Now, what we just did, I've watched both of those shows. Not very often, but I have. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to tell you this. Those are, act- whether they're they're accurate or not, those are shows <laughs> where there's actual cameras following police officers, showing you kind of what they're doing. And maybe you, maybe you could speak on it more than I can, but we're going to cancel that. We don't want to see what cops are doing. I thought you wanted to see what they like. It's irrelevant to me as far as protesting goes. Why would you cancel those two television shows? Well, I, I think, and I'm hoping this is the case that to protect those cops. Okay. That, that are, that are taking part in the show. I know they do a lot in, in Texas. They've done a segment out here in Pomona. They've done segments out in like Georgia, North Carolina, those, those places. I think it's to suspend all that right now because of the high tensions and to protect the police, maybe that would be subject, subject officers in those shows, not to put them in a bad situation to where, because of what's going on, they might hesitate or be um, restricted in any way whatsoever to go one way or the other. I think that's just, just give okay. it a break. Okay. Give it a break. That's my hope. That's my hope. And I, I, I really think that's why. Okay, and, and and that's fair enough. And and I, you know, I, I'm admittedly hadn't thought hadn't hadn't thought about that. I'm I'm not a police officer. Uh, you 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 were, so you have that type of insight that that uh, you know educates people like me. Uh, but when I first saw that, that was my reaction. I was like, wait a minute, that's a television show where where cops are actually being followed by cameras. You're seeing what they're doing. And uh, you're going to say, no, we don't want to do that anymore. So uh, that didn't make sense to me. What you said does make sense to me. I'm all in favor of that, you know, protecting the police out there and, and not contributing to uh, to violence against them. Because uh, unfortunately, Bill, uh, there's been some civilian violence, but man, there's been some attacks on police officers 
Uh, we've lost a few here the past week. The, the Vegas. Yeah, that's, that's what passed. gets me. I mean, that's what really, really kind of puts a big question mark in my head is that, A, we're supposed to be neutral. We're not supposed to take sides. And we've seen some sheriffs. We've seen some police chiefs. We've seen some leaders that are not taking sides. They're siding with or trying to understand the people that we are there to, A, protect and ensure that they're peaceful. And we may have to arrest them if they're not peaceful. And it's these chiefs that that are basically kind of sticking it up the line cops' ass by doing that. And we've got line cops taking knees with them. We've got National Guard taking knees with these people, with these folks. And it's fucking wrong, okay? In my, in my generation, we didn't do that. We may, remain neutral, you know, civil to everyone, polite to nobody. <laughs> that was my, that's what basically what I was taught, okay? You can't misquote a silent person. Keep yes. your fucking mouth shut and do your job. Keep your mouth shut and do your job. Yes, no. I can't do that. I can do that. Yes, sir. No, sir. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Um, it's it's real simple. And now we're being, especially at the high ranks, we're trying to be social workers. Well, being a social worker in police work doesn't work. You're either a social worker, they do great things, they're great people, or you're a cop. You're, you can't be both. And I don't see too many social workers trying to be cops because they know better. But I see a bunch of fucking dumb cops out there at high levels, at high-ranking levels, trying to be social workers, and it's blowing up in their face. Not only does that same person that you're taking a knee with think you're the biggest smacked ass in the world and have no respect for you, but your but your troops standing behind you think you're a bigger smacked ass and have no respect for you. So let that sink in. Yeah, I, I do think we got to be careful. And you know what? I, I, I hate ever comparing police work to another job. The only thing I can relate to is as, as an umpire, I've umpired. And when I umpire, I don't care who wins. You talk about neutrality. I'm out there trying to be neutral and I'm looking for support from, from the top, the people who, who, uh, you know, are my supervisors. I, I could care less about the teams competing. You know, I want to do my very best job I can. And I, I it's, it, the, the, it's like the only analogy I could come up with for myself to try to look, to try to look like what, uh, you know, cops go through. And I, I know nothing about what cops go through, nothing. Um, and so it is, it is odd to see when you're supposed to be this neutrality uh, segment, but, but at the same time, Bill, there's plenty of, of cops that, that, that they think this is a step in the right direction in doing those things. And, and I, I don't know, I just don't know. I know, I know where you stand on this. Um, they're, they're, they're trying what they can and you know what, Hey, all the power to them, I guess. Well, I'll, I'll say this, that 99.999% of the time, that same cop that runs into a building to save a child doesn't care whether that kid's black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever the case may be. He's going in there to save a life. And that's what our job is all about. Well, Bill, you know what? Let's talk about a little bit about sports. Let's uh, let, let's let's kind of cover that part of of our lives here. You know, Bill, I've waited for so long for sports to come back, and I I don't know. After the last week or so, in some sports I could care less about. I think they're 
they're not really doing the right thing. They don't know what to do. And, and it's just, it's really sad to see. But I think something you and I both agree on is that Major League Baseball and, and they're dragging their feet and not coming up with a deal to get on the field is just, it's ridiculous. And, and at this point, they shouldn't have a season. That, that's where I stand. Just, just don't even play. But what are your thoughts on Major League Baseball? Well, the owners versus the players union. The owners want a salary cap come hell or high water. And that's what they're pushing for. This is posturing. This year of uh, this shortened year is all about posturing for the end of the collective bargaining agreement, which is coming up to the end of the season. And they're trying to shove down the player's throat this. They're trying to shove the fact that they want to prorate them for, I think the owners wanted initially like 50 games. Mm-hmm. And the, they came back with a with a 75-game offer yesterday with 75% prorated salary. And all the games, everything was to be over by the end of September so they could play all the playoffs in October, trying to eliminate the possibility that if there's a second spike in COVID, that they'd be off the field by November. Okay? And that I think part of the agreement was that the players had to sign off on their health. That if they caught it, they were on their own. Yeah. And that is huge. That is huge. The players obviously don't want to be confined to a hotel or limited in their in their freedom of movement. And I don't blame them. Okay. I don't blame them. I think let's let's just, you know what? Let's let's table this year. Get your collective bargaining agreement for next year and move on. Okay. You know, the owners are going to lose a little money, but they still have a lot of money, okay? They've already lost half a season on tickets, ticket sales, and the rest of the season, they're not going to put people in the stands, from what I understand. There's a, And there was a possibility they were going to play in spring training. They haven't even figured out where they're going to fucking play. Yeah. So this is way, way far from being agreed upon, and I firmly believe, as do a lot of baseball insiders, that this season will not they won't play one game. It's going to be a it's going to be a complete null and void. What what my thoughts are is that it's amazing how quickly it, it went from safety and health concern talks to, into collective bargaining and salary cap issues. And, and I know a lot of leagues are doing that right now because you know talking have it transitioned into next year. But Major League Baseball, this is your time right now. This is your season. This is when you're supposed to be playing. And you had an opportunity right now in the past couple months to play baseball and have, have, have maybe some a bigger fan base. And I know dollars and cents, that's all that matters to these guys. And you know what? It's a business. So I can't sit here and say, oh, well, they should play for less. or that. No, any person, uh, you know, wants to make the most money they can and be paid what they've been promised. doesn't matter how big of the amount, but I just think, from the top to the bottom, everyone involved has really uh, done a disservice to this entire uh, potential season, and I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Major League Baseball, from what they've done, uh, they're already probably the third most popular sport, and, and they're going to they're gonna lose a big fan base, I think, when it's all said and done because uh, this whole thing has just been so unfortunate. I just don't understand why they couldn't have come to terms uh, sooner. Well, agree. And they've got a weak sister owner, or I'm sorry, uh, commissioner, <laughs> who does give, who gives two, no, he, he wants to do away with baseball in many levels. 
He wants to do away with the minor leagues. He doesn't, I mean, he's, I don't know where his mindset is. Mm -hmm. You know, Christ, when I hit his car in the parking lot, I should have hit it harder. Maybe I had to knock some fucking sense into him. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, he's he's done a complete disservice to professional baseball. And I don't know where his, his leadership is completely, completely missing in action. He's yeah, been, he's been asleep at the wheel since he took over. <laughs> it's not gone. It's not gone in a good direction. And uh, you know what? I, I understand. I understand where the owners are coming from. I understand where the players are coming from. The owner. I mean, if if the money's there, yeah, players want salaries to keep increasing. I mean, they're the highest paid. The top people in baseball make the most money from basketball or football. I mean. You're, you're seeing contracts that are well over $300 million now, over $400 million, I think, in, in a couple of cases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where does it end? Now, the, yeah. play, the player's argument is, that, well, if the money's there, what does it matter? But, uh, you know, a salary cap, it's the only sport that doesn't have one, to my knowledge. And uh, there's a whole lot of issues there. I mean, say what you want about Bud Seeley When he was commissioner, he, was, he, he wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of his either. But by God, he, was a, he did his job. He got these fuckers on, at the table, and he ironed out. Uh, agreements. He yep. did his job as a commissioner and put these people in a, in a room and brokered deals with them. I, I can't understand why uh, the gap tooth is not doing this. <laughs> you know, it, it's, he's, he's completely null and void as a commissioner. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's frustrating. And, and you know what, Bill, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to the, the major sports, but I can tell you one thing that, you know, UFC has been at the, at the forefront of this for a long time. They're saying, we're going to put fights out. We want our guys to fight. They need to fight that we'll, we'll do it in front of no fans. There's already been a few, a few fight cards in UFC. Boxing is making a return this week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They're going to be doing that most of the uh, next few weeks. So those sports are starting to make a push and, and they're going to do it without fans. Um, you know, I kind of like what, what they're both doing. I know you may not be a big combat sports guy, but the other news that, that went today uh, is that NASCAR, and, and you don't strike me as a big NASCAR guy, but NASCAR has been doing events the past couple weeks, no fans. They have announced that they will have a limited number of fans for their upcoming events in Florida and Alabama. Uh, the, those states have opened up, and so NASCAR is going to give a percentage of the fans, uh, the capacity crowds, not have full crowds, but they're going to start to open up the uh, their their events for fans to be there in live in attendance and I, and I think that's a great step in the right direction I really do I agree I agree I, it, it, it should be it should be happening it should be happening but let's let's all take a big deep breath here because what's going to happen in about maybe 30 45 days is with all the stuff that's gone on with these demonstrations etc um let's not be misguided by the skewing of the statistics when our idiotic government says uh, we've had a spike, uh, people are sick, we don't have the hospital beds, we got to shut everything down again. Trust me, if that happens, there should be a rise up and there should be, I mean, it would make, uh, I mean, it, it should be completely crazy, completely crazy. The people should go nuts if they try to do this again. Okay. We've seen that if people rise up and protest, that it, it it's not enforced. We as the American people need to say, bullshit. No, we don't buy it. We'll take our chances. 
Yeah, I think at some point you have to. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to die. I, I, I know you don't. Nobody wants the virus. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants the flu. Nobody wants pneumonia. Any of these different things. Okay, but we can't. At some point, we got to live our lives. I don't want to get t-boned at the corner of Limonite and and Hamner either. <laughs> but when I leave here today, I there's no. I don't have a hundred percent guarantee that I won't. Okay, it's life. It's called life. You live it, bad shit happens. You try to avoid it, but if it if it happens to you, you deal with it, you eliminate it, and you fucking move on. And you have a right in this country where you, if you don't want to go out into the public, you have every right not to. If you want to climb under your bed, suck your thumb in the fetal position, and live there happily ever after, by God, do it. <laughs> do it. Yeah. But don't tell me that's the way, the way I have to live. No, no, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, could, could this have been a quick, short, okay, hey guys, let's, let's quarantine for, for, or, uh, 15 days. Yeah. Two weeks. Okay. Okay. Fine. But two and a half going on three months now. Come on. This is, this is, I, I think you called it one of the biggest scams of the century. Uh, and, and you know what? It's really sad. I hope we look back on the history books and it's written. Well, History books these days are, uh, you know, <laughs> never mind. They're they're, they're generally uh, manipulated as well. But I hope we look back and we could say, okay, that was an overreaction. We should never do that again. And not, oh, it was a super deadly virus. We, we saved thousands of lives. And no. You know, and you know why it's a scam? Is because the same people that preach to us day in and day out, you, we had that fucking Newsome at noon and that gutless Garcetti at five o'clock. Every day, every fucking day during this, getting their 15 minutes of fame, telling us that we got to stay home. We got to keep our people inside. You can't go except to do things that like get our groceries and go come straight home. They were so absolutely dead set on this. But, but it's okay to protest. Okay. We, we, and, and you don't enforce that. Pick a side, guys. Either it's going to kill us. Or we're going to be fine. And I think we're going to be fine. So you were made out to be the biggest liars uh, since, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, the wild ants invaded or some fucking thing. I mean, come on. It's, it's, the people have seen through it. You have absolutely zero credibility. Well, I think uh, one of my favorite guys is uh, to listen to on the radio. I, I've mentioned it many times. It's Clay Travis. He, he is a sports radio show, but he talks about current events. He'll touch on politics and different things. And he's one of the few kind of more moderate, uh, maybe leaning a little right people out there. Uh, and it's funny. One of his terms, Bill, is uh, uh, fear porn. He types it all the time in his Twitter. There's this there's this fear porn out there that people just they, – they crave it. Some people want fear. They want to embrace it. And it's like, no, we, we got to stop this stuff. Uh, it, it's just – uh, there's there's steps in the right direction, so I'm I'm very happy about that. We got to stop with all of this restriction. It's uh it's June for goodness sake, and it's time to move forward. It just is. So, uh, Bill, I will talk. You know, we we talked on sports a little bit. We live in this cancel culture these days, where if you say something that makes someone uncomfortable or is offensive, uh, I hate that term because it's overused, uh, and and it takes away from things that are truly offensive, but you know, there was a, a football coach that both of you, both you and I have worked his games. We knew of him. Uh, he's a local 
uh, coach at a university out here in Southern California. And he was recently uh, placed on leave for a comment he made on social media. And if you want to read too much into it, people, then, then yeah, fine. But you know what? We are so uh, tense right now and, and maybe we're soft. I, I don't know. But every little comment these days sets people off. And I'm talking about the Redlands University coach, football coach, Mike Maynard, placed on administrative leave uh, from a comment on social media that actually happened in uh, uh, some, a video that, of something that happened in the city of Riverside during a protest, no less. And I believe it was a an explosion or something that happened in a, a, a car or something like that during a, a, a protest in Riverside and Maynard po- posted or responded, I believe, and said, what kind of bomb is that? I, or excuse me, what kind of bomb? I want one of those. Now, Bill, what does that comment mean to you when you read that? A joke? Like, wow, hey, that's cool. Tell me, tell me where that's racially insensitive. Tell me where that is, is, is highly volatile. I mean, you know what? Maybe the guy likes to, he likes firecrackers on July 4th. I don't fucking know. But is that something to take a man's livelihood from? Fuck no, it's not. Mike Maynard is a class act. I've, I've worked on the field with him. He's a good guy. He's fair. He's, he's done more for the, for the city of Redlands and that university than probably any sports person in the history of that city. And for him to be put on leave like that, for that, give me a fucking break. You know, that tells me the University of Redlands is completely left of liberal, okay, for them to do that. They are afraid of their own fucking shadow. And that is disgusting to me. I can say these things because I'm no longer affiliated with any college baseball, okay? I Some of my worst... Some of the worst fans in the world that I dealt with were at the University of Redlands. They were a bunch of motherfuckers in the stands, okay? I had words with one after a game, I, I, and I, I lost my cool with the guy. As I'm walking to the locker room, this guy confronts me and says something about me, and I, quote, unquote, I said, get the fuck out of my way before I move you, okay? And the athletic director heard it, reported me, and I had to, you know, talk my way out of it. Well... You know what? And believe me, the University of Redlands is a very liberal, fucked up college, in my opinion, for doing that to that coach. Okay, and like I say, I it's a very to me they they have, they they're, they have pussified themselves in doing this. It's ridiculous. Coach yeah. Maynard could get a job. He's a damn good football coach. Um, I've I've worked side on the sidelines on his games, and he there's not an ounce of of asshole in this guy at all. He's a good man. I've worked his games plenty of times. I've been in the sideline many times. Uh, You know what? I know a lot of officials that have had some very big run-ins with him. And he, you know, people think he's not, not always the easiest guy to work for. Personally, I enjoyed his approach. I knew that we were going to have a conversation and talk. Maybe it's a baseball guy in us, Bill, that is able to, to have a conversation with a, with a a coach of that, uh, that caliber, I guess, but uh, he gave a he gave a lot of guys, uh, you know, some some hard times. But I I, I never thought he was over the line, at least He's from my his, standpoint. The man's doing his yeah. job. Yeah, he wants to win, and he did win. I've got a, a great quick Mike Maynard story about the competitiveness in this guy and how 
he's pretty sharp. He's a sharp coach. This is, again, probably God, 12, 13 years ago. I'm working the sideline at Pomona Pitzer College. Back then, they were dog shit in football. Redlands was a powerhouse. It's the middle of the third quarter. Redlands is kicking the shit out of them by about the score of 56 to 2, okay? And uh, the referee uh, is working in the middle, and he's calling a um, – He's calling, um, you know, 12 men, 12 men in the huddle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're breaking with – or no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maynard comes to me. I'm the field judge. I'm his communicator. And he says, Bill, he goes, I want you to go tell uh, um, Bill uh, Agopian, the referee, that Pitzer's breaking 12 in the huddle every time, and he's not fucking calling it. I want it called. I said, okay, coach. I'll, I'll, I'll go in there and tell him. So the next time out we have, I go in. I said, "Hey, Bill, uh, Maynard wants twelve in the huddle because he feels that that he's getting that you're not calling it." He goes, "You tell Mike that they're not doing it purposely. They're doing it because they're disorganized and they're not trying to gain an advantage." I said, "Okay." So I go back to the sideline. I said, "Hey, Coach, uh, this is uh, Gopian now. He's telling me to tell you that." Um, they're not doing it to gain an advantage. They're doing it because they're disorganized. He goes, well, Jesus Christ, Bill. He goes, when we block in the back and we're off sides and we encroach, we're disorganized too, but you still fucking call it. <laughs> and I said, touche coach. You got us on that one. And you know, we went on our merry way. So he's a sharp guy. He's a competitor. Uh, I don't think he's some anarchist, violent bomb maker that wants to go out and wreak havoc. He said it in a funny manner and I think anything other than reinstating him immediately is doing that football program, the city, the school, and especially him, a major disservice. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I just – I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I thought, oh, man, he made some super, uh, you know, I don't know, racially insensitive remarks or something, and that's nowhere near the the man that he is. He, he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't say something like that. And so I was like, oh, man, what did he say? I read the remarks, and I was like – he said that, and so you are – we are going to, as a society, uh, shame that person. But no one wants to speak out on the actual people who are making car bombs and doing all this rioting. That's where we're at. That's where we're at these days, and it's so unfortunate. And again, Mike Maynard, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of officials that, that don't have uh, you know the best things to say about him. I, I thought he was a competitor, and, and, and uh, he was – a the right amount of challenging to me as an official, I thought when I worked his games. And you know what? Uh, that's just so far over the top, Bill. I, I agree with you. I, I think, uh, yeah, someone will hear this and be like, how could you guys say that? Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I, I just were so divisive now. Every little thing, Bill. It's like, what did you say? Wait, what did you say 10 years ago? Wait, what did you text? What did you tweet? I mean, it's just out of control. It's not helping anything. Things like this does, does not... Uh, bring anyone closer to uh, you know peace and prosperity. I don't even know what to say. It's ridiculous. If, if I was a if I was still an active umpire and if I was still an active cop, if I was a head coach of a major organiz- uh, university, if I was anything in the limelight at all, the last thing I would do is be on social media right now. Yes, I would pull my fucking profile off every fucking thing there was because all it's going to do is get you in trouble. I tell young cops that are that are trying to get hired to police work, first thing you do is you get off social media. You completely get off Facebook. 
Instagram, Twitter, whatever the hell it is, get off. Make yourself anonymous. Not because uh, you're afraid. It's because you're guilty till proven innocent on things that you say, just like in Maynard's case. And it's wrong. Yes. Yes. And uh, I couldn't agree more with you, more with you, Bill. I am, I am about, uh, well, I'm say I'm, I'm very close to uh, disbanding all of my <laughs> social media. If it wasn't for this podcast, I would definitely be there, but I, but I want platforms to promote the podcast and have listeners, but you know what? I'm at a point too, where uh, you know, I, I want to grow. I want the listenership to grow, but you almost want to just be like, you know what, if, if you like the show, pass it on to someone else uh, because the people that like it are going to like it. The people that dislike it are going to dislike it. And that's fine. You're here every Wednesday. I'm here every Wednesday and I keep getting friend requests from friends of yours and people that are obviously tuning into the show. And I'm getting friend requests from these folks and I'm accepting them because, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm you know, at least getting a little bit of entertainment to somebody. You may not agree with what I say. You might think I'm some, you know, my you know, just a crock of shit or something. And that's fine. I get it. But I haven't gotten any, any death threats. I haven't gotten any nasty grams for anybody. So I'm obviously, uh, I know there's some people out there that are probably upset with me and, and disagree with me and think I'm a lunatic and so be it. That's fine. I'm really not, you know, a great deal of this, you know, kind of an insider secret here. A great deal of this is theatrical on my part. However, you can tell where I come from. You can tell my belief system. Okay, I may go a little crazy on my feelings about certain political people. Uh, 99% of it is absolutely true, true. You know? <laughs> but again, that's who I am. You know, I was raised that way. You know, 27 years of, of law enforcement back when cops could be cops has probably made me that way. However, I do see the other side. I do see where people get frustrated. People get upset. I get it. As long as your frustration doesn't lead to violence, I'm good with it. Because that's what the world's all about. I want someone to come on this show and disagree with me. And we can have a nice platform. We can ad- agree to disagree. And when it's all over, elbow bump each other and have a drink. <laughs> all right? That's what I want. I love that. I love to mix it up. I love to mix it up with people that don't see my point of view. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, discussion, debate, conversation, whatever you want to call it. That is how ideas get formulated, and we can start to, uh, you know, become more cohesive as a country. And you know what? Until we we got to stop stop the violence, we got to stop that and then start talking. And I'm not talking about just this, this great kumbaya, uh, peace, love, uh, utopia. I don't think that's realistic either. But there's a time where we do got to talk, share opinions, and, you know, learn a little bit about each other. There's nothing wrong with that. I really hope we get to do that more. And Bill, very well said. I think that is 100% dead on. Uh, That's why you're here every week. You're here to uh, be passionate and speak your mind. You speak for a lot of people I know um, that that really don't either want to say something or or can't. And and I appreciate you being here all the time. Well, one thing about the way I've lived my life is I I want to look in the mirror and know that I'm not some fake. I'm not some facade. I'm not some phony piece of shit. I may not like what I see because my gut's too big. Maybe (laughs) it's sometimes... Or, you know, I, or, you know, I've got hair growing where it shouldn't be growing. That part I don't like, but I can look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what? You're not a phony. You're, you're, you're nobody's bitch. And, and, and you're saying exactly what you mean and take it or leave it. I'm not out to hurt anybody. I'm not out to, to create havoc, violence or anything else. 
It's just my fucking mouth running. And that's my opinion. It's an opinion. Okay. It's like, you know, Randy Macho Man Savage back in the WWE days. You know, you knew he was full of shit, but you loved to watch him. <laughs> oh, man. Very, very well said. I think, I think uh, we might have to put uh, Randy Macho Man Savage is on your, uh, on your uh, upcoming episode picture or I've maybe got the send- picture. I'm going to send it to you. Yeah. The I- macho man later in his life. Yeah. Right before he died, the poor <laughs> bastard, you know, had a heart attack at the wheel and killed himself. Uh, you know, you can't do cocaine steroids and, and talk like this all the time when, when you're in real life, because people can see through that shit. No, you can't do that. You gotta be yourself. And the poor guy died way too young. Yeah. Got to give something up, man. <laughs> Jeez. Well, well, Bill, I really appreciate you being here uh, in person in the studio. I, I do think you're going to have to be uh, Randy Macho Man Savage next Halloween. I think- okay. Yeah. Snap off a Slim Jim and I'll think about it. <laughs> man alive. You are, uh, yeah, you come in many forms. The Big Lebowski, uh, hopefully Randy Macho Man Savage, but I appreciate all your insight. I got to say, man, I love the new look too. I love, I love the, uh, the new haircut of yours. I, I think it's, it suits you well. And uh, yeah, just appreciate you being here live in studio, of course, because uh, you know what? It, it really helps with uh, <laughs> our conversation to make things a little clearer. And uh, obviously with the sound, it's, it's much better. So Bill, thank you for being here. I can't agree more. <laughs> wow. Well, we got to get you some type of uh <laughs> some type of a liquid uh, calm down courage or something right now. So I got to go get, I got to go strap Miss Elizabeth into the house for six days. And all she's getting is TV dinners. Cause I don't want her to leave. Who, who is Miss Elizabeth? That was his uh, real life wife. And she was his manager <laughs> oh, during some God. of his wrestling days. And rumor had it that he was just like, he would go on the road for six days and he would chain the front door. What? And she, he'd trap her in the house with six TV dinners and that way nobody could get in and she couldn't leave because he was so absolutely possessed with her. He was so possessive of her and and afraid that she was going to go screw somebody else, which in time she did. Lex, Lex Luger, I think, or whatever his name was. She ended up with him. <laughs> and then the poor gal died at a young age. Oh, and my goodness. He ended up, and then Randy ended up with his high school sweetheart and then died at age 58 in, I believe, 2010. So that's your history on the Macho Man. You, you guys, you can't get that kind of knowledge anywhere else. I mean, I didn't know anything about this. This picture, that's Randy Macho that's, Man Savage? That's Randy about probably six months before he died. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. White hair. Yeah. Not, not, oh, man. That is interesting. I mean, he still looked pretty good in his yeah. 50s. Like, he could still kick somebody's ass. Oh, my Lord. But, you know, his better days were behind. Well, have Steroids, cocaine. And uh, crazy living, don't S- mix. Slim Jim, yeah. All, all that stuff. Oh my goodness. Well, Bill, uh, thank you so much for being here. Let's do it again next this week. This was a good, fun episode. I, I had a good time. I enjoyed it. Time. I feel like I got about 30 pounds of, of dead weight off me. <laughs> Just letting it all out, letting it air, letting it breathe. Letting it breathe. That's 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 all we can do. That's a wonderful stuff. Uh, I can't say it enough, man. I look forward to posting this. And, and yeah, you, you not only are here weekly, but you're the only one really that we record like Right, you know, the day before instead of like a week or two out, so we get a lot of more current. The events only out. way we're not going to hear this tomorrow is if the earth, if the world comes to an end tonight, which I've got it on pretty high authority that the sun will come up tomorrow. Okay, well, 
that is that is good to know. You are our resource of all these types of uh, information. So thank you so much. And Bill, let's wrap up another episode, man. It was fun. See you next week. Well, another big thank you to the one and only Bill Barnes. Love him or hate him, he's here every single Wednesday on the Get Home Safe podcast. I would not have it any other way. He is a great contributor to this show and i love having him here it's great talking with him i always learn something Uh, i always laugh a little bit so uh, i hope you do the same and hopefully you guys will continue to tune in as he will be here back next wednesday on the weekly wednesday win segment of the get home safe podcast thanks so much for being with us bill barnes well guys that will wrap up another episode of the get home safe podcast in closing i want to say that on tomorrow's show we will be joined by mike minter He is a parent of a Rio Hondo Prep graduate from the member of the class of 2020. He's going to talk to us about what it's been like as a parent of a senior kind of during this whole pandemic situation we've been in. I know a lot of seniors uh, in different graduations have had to either postpone or do different types of graduations. So he'll fill us in a little bit of that. He also grew up pretty much around Care Youth League and Rio Hondo Prep. He's someone that did not continue on into Rio Hondo Prep, but he will fill you in on just kind of why people support Rio and have so much, so many good things to say about Care Youth League. A little different perspective from him, uh, but it came full circle. He ended up having his uh, son go there. So he's just going to talk about the program. He's also did, has done some umpiring on the side here and there. He's also uh, coached football at Monrovia High, High School. So, uh, you know, a little different perspective on things. And we look forward to chatting with him tomorrow. It's not the longest interview, but you know what? Uh, it, it was fun chatting with him uh, when we recorded soon. And I, I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that tomorrow on Thursday. A few things I, I wanted to mention. I heard yesterday one of my favorite radio hosts is uh, leaving ESPN Radio, Will Kane. He has been with ESPN for a few years. Uh, I've always liked him because I, I think he's he's fine with like disagreement. He likes to have a conversation with people on things, and and you know what? I think he has been been a, a shining. Uh, bright shining light for ESPN. I'm sure there's plenty of people who disagree with him and think he's just some extremist or something, but I have always appreciated the manner in which he, he handles himself. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, he, he's definitely a, a more conservative <laughs> uh, type of guy like, like myself even. And you know what? Uh, I think that there could be more people like him in that business, but who, who, who am I to say, <laughs> say it, speak of those things, I guess, but uh, sad to, sad to hear that he's leaving ESPN radio. I don't know what, what he's going into, but uh, good for him and, and uh, just wish him all the best. I really have enjoyed listening to him over the years. Um, so at the end of June, he will be done uh, on another note. I've mentioned on this program repeatedly about, one of my favorite guys in radio is Clay Travis, who works for Fox Sports Radio. He's doing great things. He's, again, one of the only, I guess, conservative-minded uh, you know, individuals who puts out more conservative thought, I guess, uh, in a very kind of left-leaning industry. Uh, but what's funny is, I mean, he doesn't say that he's a real conservative guy. He's He actually has a past of not being that way. But anyway, those are two of my favorite radio guys. Uh, it's sad to see one of them leaving. I, I still listen to you know Clay Travis a lot more now these days, uh, bright and early. But that's, those are just some things on my mind as we close the show today. I definitely uh, learn a lot from them, and, and I challenge you to the last month here to tune into the Will Will Kane uh, 
radio show or podcast as he will be off the air at the end of June. Clay Travis is, is obviously still going uh, and is out there. His shows are out in the mornings, uh, bright and early here on the West Coast, but you can listen to his podcast as well. Well, those are my two cents, guys. I want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. We will be back tomorrow morning with another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. You know where to follow us on Twitter with Get Home Safe Pod. Uh, Get Home Safe Pod is our Twitter handle. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We operate through the Anchor app, as you are well aware, but you can listen to the Get Home Safe Podcast under many different platforms. Anchor helps us to distribute our podcast out to Apple, Spotify, and many other places. So thank you to all of you who are listening to the Get Home Safe podcast. I appreciate all the support. We look forward to chatting with any of you who like to come on the program. We're always looking for new guests. And uh, you know what? We're recording episodes daily just to kind of put put some interviews together so that we have some ready to go for next week. And uh, as we continue to move forward, guys, just appreciate everything as we move towards towards and hopefully or over the 3,000 plays mark here uh, real soon. I'm confident that we will be there by the end of the week. Hopefully with this episode, we'll contribute to that. But anyway, guys, just want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, look forward to posting another episode tomorrow. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.